Hi, and welcome back to the Inner Network podcast, where I sit down with women and get candid about topics like landing your dream career, mental health, and sustainability. I'm your host, Kyla Kaplan, and today I'm joined by Alona Selena. Alona is a driven entrepreneur that geeks out on strategic collaboration. Alona founded Root, a boutique social media and influencer marketing agency providing strategic marketing initiatives tailored to meet the needs and goals of luxury lifestyle brands and female-founded businesses. As a content creator and digital marketing expert, she's constantly finding new ways in which her clients can stand out in the digital space. As always, I'll be leaving all of her links in the show notes, but in the meantime, I hope you enjoy the episode. Hi, Alona. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Hi, Kyla. So excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you. I actually saw your Instagram story today and I was meaning to ask, are you in Spain right now? I am. I actually am. Yeah, I've been here for a week and staying another week, um, you know, taking advantage of being able to work remotely. Yeah, that's so awesome. I'm so jealous. Um, Before, you know, I start any podcast, I actually love to ask my guests what they're most looking forward to in the week or the weekend. So I'd love to know what you're most looking forward to in Spain this week. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow because we have a couple more guests arriving and celebrating a friend's birthday. So it should be really fun tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, I have a lot of questions to ask you, and I'm just so curious about your career and really how you've built this life for yourself. So before we get started talking about root marketing, I'd love if you could give us a little bit of background on how you got started in your career. Yeah, of course. Um, So just going back, I grew up in Europe, and um, when I finished high school, I moved to New York. I was studying at NYU. I had a, I majored in media and communications. And while I was studying, I was also interning at an e-com startup, a fashion e-commerce startup in New York. And we were a very small team. There were three founders and um, two more hires and myself. So um, it was a very tight knit workspace. And uh, I really got to, I was hired as a marketing intern and I really got to see all different sides of, you know, the marketing world. And I was involved in email marketing and PR and influencer marketing, uh, content creation, social media. Um, So that was amazing experience for me because I really got to see what I enjoyed doing in that, um, in that space and what I didn't like doing so much. And then after I graduated, I moved out to LA and um, I started working at a big beauty company that was actually headquartered in Atlanta. And uh, my first job out of college was actually, it was it was just a dream because I, I got to work remote and I was working with um, a lot of very talented content creators in the beauty space all along the West Coast in San Francisco and LA and San Diego. And two months into my, um, into my job, I actually got to help organize an influencer trip. We went to uh, St. Bart's for two weeks. 
which was just an incredible experience. And after that, I started working at uh, Be Social in LA, which is a PR agency. And I was with them for two years. And that really gave me a lot of exposure to agency life. And I worked with so many different brands in beauty space and the fashion space, wellness, home uh, supplies, like you name it. I probably work with every different type of brand. And that's sort of how I got to starting my own agency. That's funny that you say be social because Allie was actually my first guest on I yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the podcast. So it's everything's kind of full circle. When it comes to your experience, just because you mentioned you were born in Europe and then you, you know, went to NYU and kind of just uprooted your life to the United States. What was that like for you? And mm -hmm. obviously navigating through not only, you know, college and university, but also navigating through a completely like new career. So can you tell us a little bit more about your experience, um, positive or negative? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually used to visit the States at least once a year from when I was 12 to when I went to college. So being in the United States and New York and on the East Coast was very familiar to me. However, I didn't have a lot of friends when I was moving over there, but um, I was really excited for that experience because I'm just naturally a person that can't sit still. I'm always looking out for a new adventure, a new experience. I love to travel as, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see I'm, I'm always in a different place. Um, I like to have a base, but I like to explore the world as well. And in terms of working in marketing, I actually had a blog when I was in middle school and high school, um, which was really just there for my friends and, and maybe some local people in the city that I grew up in. And I decided to actually shut that blog down when I moved out to New York for college. But shortly after, maybe six months in, eight months in, I realized that I didn't, I felt like I was missing uh, creative outlet that I had before. And so I decided to start that up again and I rebranded my blog and I started taking it a little bit more seriously. Um, and that's how I sort of built up a micro following on my personal Instagram because I was out in New York Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, um, and really in the midst of that whole fashion industry. And I think that experience and, you know, being on social media and having to communicate with brands from an influencer perspective was something that was attractive to, to companies later on when I was looking um, for jobs in that space. Yeah, absolutely. I also wanted to touch on when you had said, because you you know, interned at a few different places, you were at agency for a little bit, but I always feel like when you know, people are in those internships and are in those early stages of their career, it can kind of go to two different ways. You either really love social media marketing or you kind of get turned off by it. So at what point, you know, did you know that this is something you wanted to do long-term? And at what point did you really realize that you wanted to start root marketing? Yeah, for me, honestly, it was such a natural progression where I didn't have to think about it too much because I always loved, I, I always loved creating. Um, in middle school and high school and even college, I I was painting a lot. And unfortunately, I can't do that as much anymore because I need the studio space. 
um, and all the materials and, and also free time. But I always loved producing. I loved photography. Um, I loved being creative and, and being on social media and being able to kind of have full control over the content that you create um, was something that drew me to that industry. And then realizing that, you know, you can actually monetize um, social media and help brands create content for them. Um, that was just kind of, you know, wow, that was like a you know dream job. I didn't really have to think about it too much. And when I decided to start remarketing, it kind of happened also very organically after I quit my job at Be Social. I really wanted to, I was freelancing with a couple different clients in LA and I thought, you know what, I would really just want to try this out and, and do this on my own and see where it goes. And for me, I really wanted to start something that was, that was different to what's already out there because, you know, let's be honest, there is a ton of different agencies, a ton of competition, and I really wanted to keep my agency first of all, remote. So that really helped us, especially through COVID. We launched uh, a few months before before the pandemic. So we we're very lucky that our company was set up that way. And then also, I always wanted to keep root marketing quite small, niche, uh, targeted towards female founders, um, smaller businesses and startups. And I found that personally, there aren't a lot of agencies out there that are providing the same sort of resources that bigger agencies are, uh, but specifically targeted at smaller startups um, and female-owned businesses. Yeah, that's super amazing that you were really able to create that life for yourself. And I think in terms of agencies and just, you know, marketing agencies specifically, I think a lot of people have the perception that, you know, it's so easy to start, you know, a social media agency or it's so easy to start this. But in the reality of things, it's it takes a lot of hard work. And, you know, I just commend you for having, you know, the strength and really the perseverance to go after, you know, what you really wanted for yourself. So I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into the back end of starting an agency because it is hard work and you obviously know that firsthand. So can you take us through what that process was like for you? Yeah, of course. And and thank you so much um, as well. I so for for you know starting an agency like you said it's obviously not easy it takes a lot of time um, in fact the first eight months that after I started the company it was really all about you know getting our structures in place and and making sure that our systems are working and and you know we have processes for everything that we're doing from um, hiring an employee to bringing on a new client to just you know the general kind of process of, of, of our services and what we offer our clients. And there's a lot of behind the scenes work that, uh, you know, friends and family or even clients didn't see, but I was sitting there hustling day in, day out uh, for the first eight months um, without really bringing anything to um, kind of to the public. Actually, we, so we founded the company in, in August, 2019. And then April 2020 was actually the first time we launched our website and our Instagram and just, you know, became present on, on social. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely not easy. But, you know, if if you love what you do and, and I definitely do, it's it, it, you know, it comes naturally and, um, you know, you just you make time for it. And it's at this point, it's, you know, root marketing is like my baby and. 
I wake up every day and I'm, I'm so happy to do what I'm doing. And I think regardless of, you know, what industry people are in or the listeners that are listening in today, um, no matter what you do, you just need to find, you know, something that makes you want to wake up in the morning and, you know, start your day. Um, and then from there on, it, it really will not feel like work. Yeah. And that's something too, that I've kind of noticed as a trend with everybody that I've had on my podcast is that you can tell the level of passion that they have just even with them talking about it. And I can clearly see that you obviously have that same drive. And I love li like listening to entrepreneurs and talking to entrepreneurs because you can tell that it's kind of a, you know, it's a no BS kind of attitude. Like, you know what you want, you're going to go for it. And I just love that. Yeah. Absolutely. You also mentioned that, you know, when you were in LA, you were working remotely. So I feel like you didn't even like you didn't really have to transition into the kind of work from home because you've always, you know, been familiar with that. And then especially with your agency, you know, it's based on a work from home um, and just a remote business foundation. Can you take us through your day as a founder and, you know, especially your day as a founder um, of a remote marketing agency? Yeah, of course. Um, so the day to day is obviously different every single day. Sometimes I'll be out um, either meeting creators or um, clients, um, obviously not so much during the pandemic. Um, that was a little bit more difficult, but um, every day looks different. And that's honestly what I love about, um, you know, founder entrepreneur life. I've never been someone that liked a consistent schedule, but, you know, a typical day would probably be going through, you know, waking up, going through my email is making sure that every every email is answered, especially if they're client related. And then after that, I'll be logging on to Slack and making sure that, you know, our all of our team members kind of know what's going on, um, any deadlines um, that need to be met. And then after that, we kind of, I get to work and I'm usually on calls most of the day. And then uh, in the evenings, um, depends where I am in the world, actually. So sometimes I'll have to work late hours because we work a lot with U.S. clients, sometimes vice versa. We're working with U.K. clients, so it really depends on the day. But yeah, and then after I'm, I'm done with that, I kind of get to work and make sure that we're all kind of in the team, we're all aligned and, and we know what's coming up. Yeah, I feel like, too, even you just mentioned it right there is that you might be in a different country than, you know, your employees. And that must be really difficult with the time change. So how do you guys align on, you know, not only expectations, but making sure, you know, everybody is kind of happy and like their mental health is, you know, in check and, you know, they're doing well. How do you guys align with that? Yeah, we have, um, I have weekly check-ins with everyone that I work with um, to make sure that, you know, the just their schedules are okay and and they're able to keep up with with the tasks that they have or if not if they need to take you know a mental health day that's totally fine and i always encourage feedback and that's something that I think is super important, especially if you're working remotely and you're not seeing um, the people that you work with every single day. You really have to make an effort to kind of check in and be like, OK, um, you know, how are you today or how's your week been? Let me know if, you know, this week has been harder than the last week or what are you struggling with? What can I help you with? I think that's really, really important because, you know, you're not seeing them face to face every day. You can't really grasp over, you know, over Slack um, how they're doing. Mm -hmm. But also, I think establishing 
establishing kind of different lines of communication too. I'm on, for example, I'm on WhatsApp a lot. So, you know, if I'm not reachable through Slack or through email, I tell everybody to, you know, you feel free to WhatsApp me, feel free to call me. And even though, you know, in the kind of traditional workspace, that would probably uh, not be okay. But because I do travel so much, I, you know, nobody always knows what time zone I'm in. So I kind of encourage them to be like, it's totally fine. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. Um, just message me and I'll, I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Yeah, I feel like that open communication is so key, especially with work from home and just, you know, having a, a remote company. I feel like now too, with the pandemic, it's really opened everybody's eyes into, you know, working from home and how something that other companies can adopt. And it's, it's not really frowned upon anymore, like how it used to be. In terms of founders wanting to start a remote business, what is mm -hmm. something that they should know before doing that? Because I feel like sometimes, although work from home is really great and you're able to have more time for yourself and for your family, there are hardships that come with it. Like you mentioned some of those challenges, but what's one thing that you would want aspiring founders to know before they do start a remote business? Yeah, uh, I mean, like I mentioned before, it's really important to make sure that your systems are in place because if they're not, every single task um, or problem could take hours for you to handle. Um, so, you know, before you kind of venture out and, and you um, you start a remote business and you hire people on, you want to make sure that you know exactly what's going on, depending, you know, uh, depending on what kind of is thrown your way. Yeah. Besides systems, you know, you need to know that a lot of work actually goes into start remote or not a lot of work goes into starting a business and it's not always as glamorous as it may seem but just being able to kind of be okay with the fact that sometimes you have to be flexible sometimes like myself you could be in Spain and you could have other plans but something's thrown your way where you have to handle it immediately and you have to be okay with that and that's something that comes with um with remote work and I feel like everyone has kind of seen that in the past year or so with the pandemic and we're from home and we've all noticed that work kind of crept into our you know personal lives at home and it's very hard to distinguish between you know work uh, the workplace and being at home because you're just always on your laptop and you're at home so just being being okay with that is something that you know is really important I think yeah no absolutely and that's something too that I've personally found you know in just my day-to-day -day that like I'm I'm home, like I can't really go anywhere because there is a stay at home um, order like where I'm where I'm from right now. So it's it's hard because like your computer is right there, slacks on my phone, everything is so easily accessible. But I'd love to know how you also set boundaries and set, you know, expectations for yourself, because I feel like it's so easy, like you mentioned, to just let that creep into your life. So I'd also love to know, you know, what you do to kind of battle that just in terms of like overworking and just being really exhausted throughout your day. Um, I'd love to know, you know, what that looks like for you. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for having a balanced life and not not over overworking yourself too much and making sure that you are taking time off for yourself. And one way that has helped me manage my time is actually blocking off time in my calendar. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but it's really helped me make sure that I'm spending, you know, not the whole day on a task, but really just allocating a couple hours towards something that needs to be done and then taking an hour lunch break because there will be days when I'm at home when I'm not traveling and I find myself working 
working 12 hour days and almost forgetting to eat because I'm just so into what I'm doing and, and I don't get distracted because it's really just me at home. But I think, you know, it's, it's important to set time aside and, and actually put it in your calendar, put, you know, go out for a walk or go meet a friend, go for a cop, do a morning coffee or go for a run um, and really sticking to it. And because it has, it has really helped me with my productivity, especially, you know, when I'm traveling, I notice that, I'm a lot more productive because I know that I have a certain number of hours in the day to get my work done. And then I really want to be enjoying the rest of my time wherever I am. So I think that's, that's a good tip. Yeah. I'm a big fan of time blocking and I think it just ultimately helps with your day. Like you mentioned, you know, you have X amount of hours after work and you really want to maximize those hours. So I really love that time blocking has helped me so much. And it's nice to know that you do that as well. One thing that I really wanted to touch on, because I think it's hard when you're not, you know, blessed with uh, an amazing, you know, manager or founder or whoever it is that doesn't really take into account like your mental health or just the number of hours that you're working. And I feel like that's something that's found in agencies. And I just love that, you know, your foundation of your company really focuses on, you know, being open with your employees and making sure that, you know, you touch on their mental health and their happiness at all times. But I feel like that can kind of get lost um, in some agencies. And I've personally had that experience where, you know, I was working on the weekends at an agency because we were kind of at the beck and call of our clients. If you were an employee and your manager didn't, you know, really take that into account, how would you set those boundaries with them and make sure that, that you also have those boundaries with yourself? Yeah, I think it's important to just be able to have an open conversation, um, whether it's your manager or a founder. Um, and also when you are having that conversation to make sure that, you know, you're you're backing that up with um, with the results you've, you've brought in for your clients. Um, setting boundaries is so important in, in your workplace. And, you know, it's... It, but literally, I think in that position, I would just have a conversation and, and let them know that, you know, we we are working nine to five or whatever the, you know, the the hours are. And I am bringing results and I am, you know, fulfilling my work during the week. And it's important for you to kind of tune out after work hours and make sure that, you know, you're also taking care of yourself because otherwise at the end of the day, you might have a burnout and you won't, you won't be as um, productive at work as you used to be. And that's not great for your manager or the founder of the agency either. So just making sure that's being communicated. Yeah, no, that's super important. I think the results part is so key because I feel like, you know, people will have that conversation, but they don't necessarily take in the results part of it. So when it comes to social media, and I really want to get into this because you are a social media vet, like you've been working in the industry for quite some time. So when it comes to building engagement on social media, because, you know, followers are obviously important, but I think engagement really kind of trumps that. So what are ways that you have found, you know, to be successful in building engagement on social media? Yeah, this is a great question. And my answer, I think, whether you ask me now or in 10 years or five years ago, will always be the same. And that is producing value adding content. So 
that's content that's not self-serving to yourself or the brand that you're representing, but it's really tuned into what your audience knows, wants to see, is interested in. It's interactive content. Um, it's always encouraging a two-way conversation. It's easily digestible. For example, we've been seeing a lot more carousel posts on Instagram these days that are really just very simple um, informational content, whether it's about um, an issue or um, a service that your brand has, or even a product, it's a great way to kind of capture your audience's attention and deliver content that is, you know, valuable to them. Another thing is another way that you can build engagement is by showing your personality. I feel like a lot of brands still try to be very, you know, almost dry on on social media and and very correct, and they don't want to sound like a real person but they don't realize that being kind of, you know, lighthearted and and sounding like a real human being is actually what attracts, you know, their audience to to their to their brand. And also, you know, just a general rule of thumb is to always make it about your audience. And if you do that, you know, engagement will come naturally. Yeah, I feel like being relatable is definitely kind of the key part of, you know, engagement on social media. And I love hearing that from you because, you know, it's hard to to really get that engagement down and that rhythm down when you're building your social media feed. And I feel like a lot of people too, sometimes get stuck on building a feed that almost kind of looks like, um, like a mood board. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But like you mentioned, if you want to grow your engagement, you want to have it as a two-way conversation. So what advice do you have for people that are building their Instagram and maybe they're kind of torn between, you know, that aesthetic mood board feed versus what you'd mentioned with like an interactive informational feed? Yeah, I think it's important, like I mentioned, to listen to your audience. And, you know, if you have a professional account on Instagram, you can go in and easily look at your insights and see what content has been performing and specifically look at the content that's been most saved and most shared because that's um, the content that people are actually lingering on. They're saving it for a later time, meaning they're really interested in, in it or they're sharing it with someone. So look at that content and make sure you're just producing more of that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I love that with the saved and the even the shared too. Sometimes I look at mine and I'm like, wow, I can't believe, you know, X amount of people have saved that. It's interesting that they actually, it's something that they want to save for the future and found really interesting. I feel like nowadays, you know, there's a lot more um, formats that are being added to platforms. So for example, like Reels and IG stories, what's your thought on that? And how have you found those either build engagement or maybe the opposite? Yeah, there's uh, there's always something new popping up on Instagram. It feels like every other week there's a new feature um, or something that you need to be, you know, on top of. I think that sometimes like with guides, for example, people are still trying to figure that out, um, specifically like how to share that, how to get engagement through that, whether people are actually reading them. So we'll see how that kind of evolves. But with Reels, I think it's a great feature that brands can really use to their advantage because, um, you know, you are getting a lot more exposure through Reels. The early adopters are being featured on the Explore page. Um, and it's just a quick way to um, to grow your following and grow your engagement on, on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I think that brands um, or, you know, creators alike shouldn't shy away from reels. 
sales because it's just such an easy way to interact with your audience. And sometimes we get this kind of feedback from from clients that it's a little bit intimidating, um, either going on, um, you know, recording selfie reels or creating content themselves just because there are so many amazing really well-made reels out there already. But you need to remember that reels are not just about, you know, beautiful videos. Again, they're about adding value to your audience. So as long as you can create something in the 15, 30 seconds um, that will add some sort of value to your your followers, make sure you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are sound on too, which, you know, other formats might not be like automatically sound on. So it's a really great way to put everything that you want in front of your user into like a short video like that. I really wanted to touch on followers because I feel like before when social media was just kind of starting out, follower count was really important. And not to say it's not important now, but there are creators and brands that have, you know, under 10K followers, but they have really high engagement and they're doing really well for themselves. So at what point does the number of followers not matter? Yeah, that's a great question. I think in general, I think numbers don't matter anymore. Uh, Influence does. And of course, it's hard to not pay attention to followers, especially when Instagram, you know, only lets you include the swipe up after you've hit 10,000 followers or there's certain, you know, other benchmarks that, you know, brands pay attention to and influencers pay attention to. Um, Obviously, it's great when you're, you know, when you see someone with um, a large number of followers, you, you know, you think they have an influence, but nowadays that you know, follower count does not necessarily equal influence. And, um, you know, you can have 20,000 followers or 200,000 followers. And with 20,000, you can influence, you know, 15,000. And with 200, you can influence 1,000. You know, it really doesn't matter what your follower count is. Uh, What matters is your engaged audience. And Instagram has made it a little bit easier for us to track influence these days, like I mentioned before, with saves and shares, where you can't necessarily you know, buy those anymore or have bought followers. So um, I think just paying attention to that. And, you know, this question actually just came to mind, but if a creator, for example, wanted to reach out to you or a brand, what do you specifically look for if they were, you know, pitching themselves and they wanted to partner with you? Yeah, we look at, um, you know, just general interest in the brand, um, whether they have an understanding for, you know, what they're pitching themselves for, because sometimes, you know, we get mass emails and the influencer doesn't even know what they're pitching themselves for. And regardless of, you know, whether they have a huge following or great content, we we don't typically want to work with someone that's not interested in the in the product. But then the other thing is the quality of your content. Um, you know, we want to see whether you're able to produce interesting, engaging content that actually aligns with the same um, values of the brand that you want to work with. And then after that, we start looking at, you know, the numbers and engagement rates um, and things like that. You mentioned content and content really is key in the world of social media. So what are simple content ideas are kind of on the rise now in 2021? And what can people you know, strive to adopt in their social media strategy? Yeah, I think especially in 2021, um, it's more, it's becoming more and more important to be transparent and real. And with that, um, you know, 
comes being, you know, going live on Instagram and featuring a lot more Q and A's. And if you're a brand that it means featuring reviews or testimonials um, or, you know, featuring user generated content roundups. So really just kind of laying it all out there and being an open book and, you know, you can create different content pieces from that, but I think that should be, that is the general kind of theme that we're seeing um, in 2021 is transparency and just being very candid on your socials. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think too, when it comes to being candid, the first thing that comes to mind is Clubhouse. Um, I feel like it's such a new platform. I was reading recently that it's valued now at like $4 billion or something. I'd love to know what your thoughts are on that because I've listened to a few, you know, clubhouse chats before and some of them I've found value, but then some of them I feel like um, if you don't have a main goal for that chat, a lot of things can get lost in, you know, the conversation and you don't really get to the main point of what you wanted to talk about. Um, so I'd love to know what your thought is on Clubhouse. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I personally, I'll be honest, I haven't been able to spend too much time on Clubhouse yet. I definitely am still trying to figure out the app myself. I've been listening in on a couple of chats. Um, I'm still a little bit too, <laughs> too shy to be Hosting my own chat, but I've heard some feedback from close friends and influencers and creators that have hosted their own chats with multiple people in the room. And they told me exactly what you what you said just now. It's it's hard to, um, especially if you're speaking to a lot of people at once, it's hard to bring your point across uh, because you're not in the same room. You don't see when uh, the other person is is trying to trying to talk or make a point. And with a lot of people in the room, the you're right, you know, the the point can kind of get lost quickly. But it is a great way to, you know, to 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 be candid about, a, you know, a topic of discussion. Um, however, we're still trying to see where the app goes and it'll be interesting to see how it will start monetizing its content, because that's when it will really become interesting for brands to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm super interested in where the app is going to. And I think just in terms of the conversation, like you're mentioning, it's hard to reel people in. And since you're not in the room, you don't see those social cues. It's kind of hard to interrupt and interject and you don't want to be rude. If somebody's, you know, going on a tangent, maybe it's kind of going off track. It's, it's hard to <laughs> yeah. kind of reel that back in. I love to end my podcast off with two questions. So the first is um, a pinch me moment. So I always love hearing about a pinch me moment that my guests have had, especially because whenever they talk about it, I can kind of tell like their face lights up. Um, although I can't see you right now, now um, I can always just kind of tell. So I'd love if you could share a pinch me moment that you've had. Yeah, that's it's a difficult question for me because uh, I'll be honest, every single day is a pinch me moment for me because I still can't believe that, you know, I, I had the courage to kind of go out and, and start my own thing and it actually worked out. 
But if I had to think of something specific, it would probably be three or four months after um, I started Root Marketing. And uh, we had a lot of client interest uh, without you know, doing any outbound marketing. And I believe I was making three or four times what I was making in my nine to five job. And for me, that was like, wow, okay, this, this could be something. And, um, that was, that was really exciting and and very motivating for me to continue. Yeah. And that's motivating to just hear you talk about it. I think really just taking that leap of faith does pay off and you're a true example of that exactly. The last question is, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given in your career and that you continue to take with you? Yeah, I wouldn't um, say that this piece of advice has been given to me, but it's something that I've tried to kind of adopt from from the beginning, from working at the e-com startup in, in New York when I was still in college. But it's having a kind of balanced attitude towards life. And I think I'm trying to live that by, um, you know, starting a company and, and hustling when I need to, but also uh, being very conscious of, of my well-being and my team's well-being. And I think I, I've been seeing a bit more and more of that on social and, you know, canceling the hustle culture and normalizing, taking time off and um, focusing on self-care. And I think that's um, something that we all should be moving towards and not having any shame in, in you know, having a day off because sometimes you just you know, you can't, and that's totally okay. Um, and it's something that I've always carried with me and it's, it's really helped me with, with my business and personal life, uh, relationships and everything really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that. And, you know, just talking with you today, I definitely, you know, just get inspired with everything you're saying and just your career journey. So I just wanted to say thank you for taking the time to chat. I know there's probably so many other things that you'd want to be doing in Spain. And I really appreciate that you, you know, have taken the time to really sit down with me today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I had a really great time. <laughs> 